1: Dave Tippett, the new head coach of your Edmonton Oilers, during the news conference this morning, saying that he laughs whenever he hears himself being labeled as a defensive coach and reminded everybody that he got his first gig in the NHL because it was thought that he could help the power play and help the goal scoring. So <laughs> he's hoping to uh, quell any fears that fans might have that he's going to somehow put the reins on the Oilers and on specifically McDavid and Dreisaitl as he takes over. We're live inside the Hall of Fame room. It's 11.39 along with Bob Stoffer. I'm Reed Welcome. Bob of course you'll keep rolling with coverage uh, Oilers now from noon to two So uh, Tippett taking over And he also said And obviously he's been watching a lot of hockey The last couple of years uh, Spent the last year or so as an advisor For the Seattle franchise here's the exact quote. You can't play in this league without a five-man attack, and he pointed out that it's not just the attack with the puck, it, it's the forecheck. You have to find a way to get everybody involved.
0: Well, I wonder if that's going to fast-track a change with the Oilers defense. I mean, you take a look at it, you got to have defensemen that can skate, and defensemen that can force plays, and uh, the analogy that he brought in on the analytics on the veteran defense that was defending 75% of his time, I mean, uh, the Oilers are in an interesting position. They got Oscar Clefbaum on a great contract, okay, and they they got Darnell Nurse growing and maturing and becoming a really uh, good two-way uh, NHL defense, but don't know how, how high his offensive uh, game is going to be, but he works hard. Larson's a straight uh, defender. I think we can agree on that. Um, you know, Chris Russell in the four hole right now. Andre Sakra, that's $9.5 million tied up in a four and five NHL defenseman. And then uh, Matt Benning, who frankly has slotted as a six, is completely fine at the price point. The problem is every time you accelerate his minutes, there seems to be some challenges when he goes. Like if Benning's playing 14 or 15, you're set, right? But the, the, the team kind of needs a number four defenseman from, from my book. So I'm going to be intrigued to see what this means carrying forward for the organization in terms of the defense because in order to play that system in that style and force and pressure pucks, I think you're going to have to have a little bit more mobile defense. And Andre Sekret, to me, is still a real wild card as well.
1: Still, I thought when he came back from from injury last season again, still thought he passes as well as yeah. anybody on the team. Maybe outside of the, the two big look, guys, but his he, mobility. His mobility is the issue,
0: and you know, can he get there? And uh, you know, I don't, I don't look at the World Cup or the World Hockey, the World Hockey Championships. are completely different. Uh, than the uh, than the NHL regular season. So we're going to have Ken Holland slide in here.
1: Yeah, Ken's going to pop in uh, right away. Uh, we'll also have Dave Tippett join us as we uh, move along here as we'll just get uh, Ken sliding in. Ken, uh, thanks for joining us. Reed Wilkins with 630 Chet. Didn't get to meet you the day you were, you were hired. So uh, welcome back to our airwaves. Of course, you know Bob. Thanks for making time for us. Obviously a big day with uh, Dave being named as head coach. You've referenced experience a lot. He's coached 1,114 NHL games and about 70 more in the playoffs. How did you weigh that, wanting somebody with experience, versus maybe seeing the success of some other younger coaches who've maybe coached in the NCAA or in the AHL who've stepped into franchises and, and, and made an impact? And I guess I'll sort of add on to that, you know, with this feeling that, well, you need younger guys to relate to younger players these days. How did you balance those?
2: That's a great question. Um, You know, I would say to you, um, you know, I've been in the league a long time, around the league a long time. Uh, It's a hard league. It's a hard league, and uh, I've made lots of good decisions. I've made lots of bad decisions um, as a general manager, and you get to that experience um, allows you to reflect back on on. future decisions and I think it's the same thing as a, as a head coach and I just think that uh, in going through the process like I said up there I had f- three or four or five uh, coaches who had never coached before on my list um, you know did research on them, talked to Ken Hitchcock thought about it and ultimately like I said when the process started uh, Dave was number was my leading candidate, He's my number one guy I talked to a lot of people that had played for him and um, talked to you know i talked to doug armstrong a lot doug and i are very very um tight as uh you know general managers and and obviously he dave worked with with doug in in dallas Uh, doug hired him so ultimately you know in talking to all the people and and, in gathering all the information um in taking my time. I I didn't want to take too much time because I wanted to hire a head coach so he had some time to put a staff together and kind of figure out uh, things as well. But I wanted to make sure they took enough time so that as we sit here today, um, I feel real good about the decision, and I do. I feel real good about the process I went through. I feel real good about, about uh, hiring Dave Tippett. I feel good about all the people I've talked to about him, talked to lots of people. I know Ken Hitchcock as well talked to a lot of people that were on his staff, coached with him, coached against him. We talked to players that were on his staff. And ultimately, I feel uh, real good about the research that we done, the process that we went through, that I went through uh, to get to today. I believe he's, he's going to be able to communicate with the young players uh, he's going to walk in the dressing room, I believe in the word resume. I believe that when you he's got a resume, when you walk into the, the, the locker room and you address the team, um, he's got a resume. He's coached over a 1,000 games. He's been first place a couple times. He took a team to the Final Four. Um, he coached a team in Dallas that could score goals. He coached a team in, in, in Arizona that, that was uh, they had to check and have structure and, and, and play defense in order to have, have success. He ran a power play as an assistant coach uh, with the LA Kings, uh, one of the top power plays in the National Hockey League before um, he went to uh, Dallas. He's played in the league. He was a player for a long time uh, for all those reasons. That's why I hired him as the uh, as the head coach of the Edmonton Oilers.
0: All right, I'm going to go back to a question that I opened with regarding the staff, uh, yes. Ken, and that's because, you know, uh, when Todd McClellan came here initially with San Jose, with the San Jose group that he brought, none of those guys that had NHL head coaching experience. Uh, Peter Shirelli made some changes with Todd. Glenn Gullitson, two-time NHL head coach. Trent Yanni had been an NHL head coach, had had a top-five penalty kill of three previous years in Anaheim. Uh, the Oilers' penalty kill was probably going in the right direction until he traded Ryan Strom, and then it went straight in the tank the rest of the year and just killed the team yeah. at times during the year. And then Viveros was a guy that had four or five different NHL organizations in on him off the success of winning in a small market franchise in Swift. So on that note, uh, there's an economical perspective when it comes to coaches under contract in retaining and those sort of things—is this going to be a joint decision? Because in the case of what happened last year, Todd and Peter, Todd hired Yanni; that was his hire, and then they jointly agreed to hire uh, Gallantin and uh, Vivero. So, I'd like to know, from your perspective, where are
2: you at with that? My philosophy is the head coach has to pick the people that he wants, that he believes. He, they're in the trenches every day, and he has to select the people um, that he believes are going to are going to. Um, compliment one another i'm the rubber stamp i i i have the sign off now as he's going through the process i'm gonna you know so i went through the process with mike babcock and he had lots of uh, assistant coaches mike would say to me i'm going to step outside i'm going to go get some. i'm going to get jeff Blaschel who's coaching uh, a college team but why we're, we're we talk about the process and ultimately uh we brought in a guy uh, mike babcock brought in a guy so the head coach does it I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sign off on it. I'm going to go through the process. We're going to talk. Um, and he needs to be in the trench. He needs to be in that coach's room on an everyday basis with people that he's hired, that they know he's their boss. Uh, I'm the boss above them, and they need to have chemistry. I'm, I'm big on chemistry, um, not only on the ice off the ice we have to do things to build chemistry so I'm going to work with Dave but ultimately he's going to have the final decision putting his staff together and from an economic standpoint the most important thing we make decisions about winning about putting the best team on the ice Uh, we got a great owner. He's built a beautiful, beautiful building here. He's invested a lot of money into this city, into this, into this organization. They've paid me a lot of money. We're going to pay. We all make a lot of money to be in this business. And at the end of the day, the the decisions have to be about winning and, and, and doing things that are in the best interest of the hockey team so that we can, that we can win. And I know that Daryl Cates, I know Bob Nicholson understand that.
0: Welcome back, everybody, Hall of Fame room at Rogers Place. Bob Stauffer along with Reed Wilkins from the Oilers Radio Network. Ken Holland, Oilers, Vice President General Manager here. Ken, back to uh, defense a bit. You had your pro meetings. Uh, the organization's got – it's probably the deepest part of the organization, an area that was not deep when Peter initially came in. How challenging is it to want to transition a couple guys like Caleb Jones or maybe Laguson in the short term or maybe Bouchard a year from now or when you've got veteran guys? Because when you take a look at Dave's record that he had in Arizona and Phoenix – his 32- and 33-year-old demon helped stem the tide defensively as they brought along the likes of Yandel and Ekman Larson. So just a thought on where you guys are, you know, should we see, do you expect to see some movement on the back end to try to create a, a mechanism that would allow you to get a little bit more youth and maybe a little bit more speed in the back end defensively?
2: Yeah, certainly we have to have a plan. And, and uh, you know, I went to, to San Diego to watch their, those those young uh, kids down there play. Bouchard was there too, so there was, you know, Lagas and Bear, uh, uh, Jones and... And and, uh, and Bouchard, so I got to watch them all play. Certainly, uh, we'd like to. You can't move them all in at the same time, Bob. We yep. got to try to move in one and then another. Do they, do, I like to ideally think the one's going to make it in camp, maybe two. And as you work your way through the year, uh, uh, maybe a year from now we'll, we'll see. But certainly, we want to get younger. Uh, I always reflect back in my Detroit days. I, you know, you know, you look at Sekera, who's a really good veteran. I, I look at the impact that Nicholas Cronwell. Right. head on Dennis Chalowski head on on Philip Peroonic Sakara can have that role you got to have some veteran well-respected people in the locker room uh, that mentor those those young kids so certainly you, you like you want to have youth, but you need to have you need to have some veterans there, certainly on the back end, that they can mentor them. Uh, I think we've got lots of those different options in the organization. We got to sort it out here over the next uh, couple of months.
1: Ken Dave Tippett's first line change as head coach of the Edmonton Oilers is going to be him in and
2: okay. you out. Okay, good. I like that.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Ken. Appreciate Jake's- it. That is Ken Holland, the general manager and president of hockey operations of the Edmonton Oilers live on 6.30 chat he has hired Dave Tippett as the new head coach of the team. He's going to be the 16th head coach in Oilers history and uh, we're going to bring Dave in here momentarily. Reed Wilkins and Bob Stoffer at the Hall of Fame room at, uh, at Rogers Place and Dave's going to jump in uh, right now for his uh, first ever one-on-one appearance here on 630 Chad. Uh, Dave uh, Reed Wilkins, nice to meet you here live on air. Thanks for joining Thank you, us Reed. and of course uh, Bob Stauffer Bob, who, uh, yeah. who, you've, who you've dealt with as uh, he's been traveling with the team for the last several seasons. Well first of all welcome to Edmonton welcome to the Oilers uh, congratulations on, on, on getting the job I know you touched on it a bit up there but uh, give us your sense of why specifically now this is where you want to be as an NHL head coach
3: You know it's a unique opportunity it's uh, I think there's so much upside on this organization. A, a really passionate fan base. Uh, Ken coming in, I think, really gives it the stability that uh, uh, that makes it intriguing. Uh, you know, I'd had a couple other opportunities out there that the timing wasn't right on them. And as I uh, kind of moved through what I was doing in Seattle and and talked to them about possibly uh, looking at a couple opportunities, this one always stuck in my mind and. Uh, finally tracked kenny down long enough that we uh i went from trying to hire him to he he was uh he turned it around on me so it's uh, it was it's it's really good i, I can't thank uh, the seattle people enough about their their you know uh, patience and support with me but um, they're gonna have a great franchise and i just got the coaching bug back and it was it was time to jump back in
0: Everybody's got coaching trees. Uh, you've got some guys that have worked with you. I mean, Mark Glam has an example. I think he was on your Houston team way back when. And- yeah. Uh, Jim Playfair was with you, and one thing that I was always conflicted with when we uh, prepared for games with the, the Coyotes the last four years you were there, you had a tough penalty kill. It didn't go well, but you're always good in the face-off circle. I wondered how the hell does that happen? How does a team that's a top-ten face-off team, three of the last four years you are in Arizona, struggle as much as you did on the PK? And I, I bring that up because I brought up the assistant coaches, and Trent Yanni had a wicked penalty kill for a number of years in Anaheim, yeah. top-five penalty kill, and I guess that's that, that's where I want to go next. I mean, do you you mentioned the advanced numbers, and I always look at penalty yeah. killing. To, you look at goals against, you look at penalty killing, that tells you everything right there. Just give me a sense of how you weigh that between knowing a guy that you've worked with for a number of years versus maybe not working with somebody, but a guy that's got a good reputation, even though there wasn't a marked improvement in the order of penalty killing last year. When yeah, gave you, you.
3: you got you, Those are things that the stats actually happen. It's funny you say that. I was watching a, watching a game, I've watched... Uh, maybe a dozen or 15 games from last year and there was one game i was watching it was early in the year and i was specifically watching the the penalty kill and i liked the structure they were in they were de- and they gave up one goal that was three seconds left on a yeah. poor goal they gave up another one that i wouldn't even class a scoring chance and then the third one was a, it was a deflection or whatever and there was five or six penalties in the game the structure and the, what they were doing was pretty good, and all of a sudden there was three against. You know, so there's there's different things you look at that uh, that you try to get the results from it. Penalty kill can be funny. Like I, you need saves, bottom line. Yep, like yep. you need saves because you they're going to get some shots. You need saves, but uh, there's uh, you know there's just different times when your pressure points can be quicker executed. You get. All four guys going at once—you so can really have a hard penalty kill. You get down ice pressure. There's some things like that that you can tweak. So, um, I haven't—I haven't dug into the staff yet. I wanted—I thought it was only fair that I talked to the guys here first, and that's what I told Kenny. So, I have some people that I have past relationships yes. with but uh but i haven't talked there i want to talk to these guys here first and actually i do have a relationship with all the three of the guys that are here so so it's not as if i'm just meeting somebody for the first time sure
1: dave there's a lot of talk in the last few years about the nhl keeps getting faster tempo keeps getting faster look some players can skate fast you're going to have some guys on your roster some guys are really good at moving the puck you're going to have some of those guys on the roster but how can a coach in your mind help increase the tempo of the game for maybe players who might not have the natural the, ability the, the to The play tempo
3: them. of the game is dictated more by by how players think. Like, there's fast skaters, but just because you skate fast doesn't mean you're getting lots done. It's, uh, I look at it more as the skill level in the league is going up, so the execution uh, is gets higher so that things move quicker. And uh, sometimes it's not the players that move quicker, but the puck moves quicker. There's some real good Players and uh, like I'll look at you you take a player and I just watched a bunch of his games over in world uh, uh, world championships uh, stone from from uh, Vegas he's not the fastest skater in the world but he's an effective player watch him move the puck give and go I mean so it's the game is hockey sense is a big part of it and the game has gotten better because more players in the game have higher skill so the puck moves quicker players move quicker because they're thinking they're reading the play so those are all things that I think you can instill in your lineup uh, you know when you're when you're playing without the puck there's a structure you have to play but then with the puck you there's a lot of creativity that has to come into play and the higher skilled players you have the faster you see me, can play. You played for Dave King
0: on the 83-84 Olympic team, and we had Claire Drake here in Edmonton, and uh, that program has remained, you know, at that level. But there was a whole, you know, Wayne Fleming out of Manitoba, and, uh, you know, uh, George down in... uh, uh, down in Calgary, and all of those college guys that were sort of ahead of their time a bit. Yeah. Maybe just a thought on a couple of your coaching influences along the way. I mean, you played a long time in well, the NHL.
3: Yeah, Kinger was Kinger was obviously a big one. I played with him in the '84 Olympics and the '92 Olympics, and then I ended up hiring him on my staff for three or four years in uh, in Arizona. And he was he was the first guy that really like he was like a mad scientist. He wanted to, he wanted to do things in the game to great advantages through tactical stuff and uh, just an amazing guy even when he was on my staff in Arizona he used to come in between periods or before a game you know, why don't we try playing three defensemen tonight and two forwards you know, he was just all over the place and he challenged so he was he was a great influence smart smart hockey man um, you know some of the other guys Jack Evans was my first uh, Hard coach sure. and just uh, hardly talked to anybody but real good bench coach uh, Terry Simpson who I it was PA. funny yeah PA, and then I'm I finished my right. career in Philadelphia with, he was him. with sure. him, so um, you know, just, he was one of those guys, he taught you how to win those teams in PA, we won, and, and he taught you how to win, and it was hard, and uh, I remember that he always, there was a when you got cut like you you know you get a cut over your eye or a cut on your nose and you'd come to the bench you'd be bleeding he'd look at you and he'd say you you all right and you you naturally just say yeah i'm all right and he'd throw you right back out there again like they wouldn't let you do it now with the blood hanging (laughs) out but but uh he would throw you right back out there just to just to prove that hey you're going to be fine so i bet i've had a lot of great coaches i coached for scotty bowman or played for scotty bowman a year in pittsburgh um just been been fortunate to be around a lot of real good coaches.
1: New Oilers head coach Dave Tippett joining us on 6:30. Chad, Dave, I, I take calls after games with Rob Brown, who who you would have played against yeah. in the NHL. He uses the word belief a lot. Yeah. And in Edmonton, it's obviously been tough for a long time, and uh, you know fans have had it tough, and uh, the Oilers haven't been a team except for the year they made the playoffs where they pull out a lot of those tight games in the in the third mm-hmm. period. What can you do to help? the the belief you know not just in the locker room but maybe how that extends to all the people who love the
3: team that that belief is earned you know because you get those results by by having some wins and not just I'm not just talking about wins games like wins and when you defend well for the last two minutes of a of a period or a game you know you win a close game you earn those points uh, i was talking about earlier you earn the right to be a playoff team you just don't automatically get to be a playoff team but but the belief is built through your preparation your uh, players accountability like, there's all those little steps that have to go into place now you believe you're a good team and you believe you can win and once that belief that's a that's a confidence that's earned once you get that going and you see good teams have it they just like St. Louis they didn't have it the first half the second half they believe they're going to win they went into every game they believe they're going to win their young goaltender was playing great but they had a belief system that just turned around for them and it can happen it can happen to any team at any time. So those are all things that we're going to be striving for here.
0: Dave, just a thought. I mean, I know your name was mentioned with a couple other jobs, uh, as was Todd McClellum's. Buffalo was one of them. Um, Coaches should be talking to other coaches to get a sense of, um, you know, where they're at. In terms of your research for this position, I mean, the last two head coaches the Oilers had here, Hitch for the final 60 games interim, good coach. Todd, good coach. There's perhaps an indication that, you know, it's sometimes, with all due respect to the impact a coach can make, it's sometimes a little about the personnel, too. But how much research did you do with the last couple of coaches in terms of trying to gauge a bit of the personnel? And on that note, just back to the staff for a second, is it important to have Maybe at least one coach that was on the staff that would give you a little bit of a feel in terms of a continuity perspective that, with the players. That'll be
3: determined, yeah. you know, with with my conversations with them. I haven't talked to Hitch yet. Okay. Uh, I, I will talk to Hitch a little bit. Todd and I have been friends for a long time, mm-hmm. so uh, World Cup, uh, World Cup. Uh, he he was in Houston after I was in Houston, yeah. so it's so uh, I've talked to him, you know, not necessarily about this job, but uh, just about coaching in general, getting back in. And so I mean, it's there's nothing about this job that would scare you off. Nothing about this. I think there's great upside here. So it's uh, um, if I was going out looking for looking for negative things. Uh, I didn't find any. (laughs) You mentioned uh,
0: putting uh, Matthews with McDavid. Do you remember the opening goal against Sweden? Yeah. They they defended that play about as perfectly as they could have.
3: Yeah. I remember it distinctly. Remember that first 10 minutes of that game? Yeah. That was crazy. Yeah. Goudreau had a a penalty shot. I mean. That, that was one of the funnest games I've ever been involved in.
0: With all due respect to the Medanos, and I think he still had Zuboff in Dallas towards yeah. the end of his career, and he was a have you? I mean, we're talking about a guy that is a – I mean, McDavid is a generational player. Yeah. And dry settle is – you
3: know, we used to talk all the time.
0: I used to say he didn't know how good he was. Yeah. But, I mean, they're – pretty, too yeah, pretty they're, special
3: they're, they're they're top players they're top players and anytime you get a chance to coach players like that it's hey it makes the coach's job easier is what yep. it does it just they just gives you extra weapons that uh that other teams don't have and uh, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to creating a relationship with both of them and, and uh you know jumping on a team with them and hopefully we can do good things
1: Dave, thanks for dropping by. Obviously, we're, we're going to be seeing a lot of you here in the years to come. So, really appreciate your time here on 630. Chad, congratulations. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks, appreciate Dave. it. That is Dave Tippett, the new head coach of your Edmonton Oilers. Reed Wilkins and Bob Stoffer live in the Hall of Fame room at Rogers Place. Hey, Bob's got a show to do. We'll dive right into Oilers Now when we get back. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.